Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, what a beautiful day. It is a Thursday, and I got to tell you, the world is a wonderful place. It just simply is. And I am on Twitter right now this morning arguing it's got to be bots. I believe that Americans want to go to work. I believe that Americans wake up every day and they want to fulfill their lives, whether it's doing a show like this, whether it's like my uncle going to a steel mill, some friends of mine that are cops, my daughter that's a teacher, my son that's a basketball coach, my wife that's working at Athleta. I believe that's the American way. But I got to tell you, and we're going to get into it all day, the American way is being threatened. Elon Musk put out a deal, just a simple deal that says, look, if you're going to work here, you're going to work hard. You're going to sacrifice. You're going to, quote, earn your money. And that is being met with all kinds of nonsense in the Twitter world. You shouldn't have to work for someone else. Balance of real life and work is important. Sure, it's important. It's amazing how people spin things. And then the other thing going on in this world I got to tell you, we got it backwards. We've got the world backwards. Tom Allen, great guy, uh, football coach at Indiana University yesterday during a radio show, made an eight-minute impassioned plea for money for his players, NIL money. Indiana's trying to do something like get a million dollars and match it so that they can pay players who are bad at their job more money to get more players that might be good at their job. The world is crazy. Let me explain something to you. Go to work. It's inherent in you that you'll feel better. You have a cause. You have a purpose. Sitting in your basement, getting on Twitter and arguing with people about work is no good. It just isn't. People get fired or people retired early. And you know what they say? Man, I got so bored. I needed to work. What do you mean? You got a yacht. What do you mean? You got everything? Yeah, I know. I needed to work. Fulfillment. I believe that's what's deep inside of people. I don't believe the people, and I'm thankful for this, I think about 1% of people don't want to do nothing but whine, complain, and moan. I believe that's one way the world is sideways. The other way is, when did we decide that the world of 18 to 23-year-olds in college for free, while 99% of the other people at the same college are paying full price, and by the way, it's an exorbitant price, where did we decide that those players have to have grown-ass adults go out and beg boosters for money? Don't you see how this is backwards? What we need to do is this in college sports, build the best facilities, get the best universities. I'm not talking about facilities just for sports. I'm talking about university facilities. I'm talking about get and educate the best instructors. And then say to 18 to 23-year-olds, here it is, man. You're going to come here for free. You're going to get every indulgence that you could possibly get. And we're going to do it with respect and honor. 
Now, that's never going to happen because money's got it out of control, but I believe the world is backwards. Instead, what do we do now? We beg 18 to 23-year-olds to come to our institutions. We beg some big fat football player to come play line, and begging isn't enough. Oh, God, no. We got to come up with a deal. Let me ask you a question. You know that quarterback at Texas, Quinn Ewers? Dude's made $4 million. People say, well, you know, well, you know, uh, Texas and other schools are getting rich on the backs of guys like Quinn Ewers and these players. The hell they are. Quinn Ewers hadn't done nothing. Went to Ohio State, took a million dollars, didn't play one snap. Went to Texas. Came close against Alabama, hadn't done squat. Texas would sell it out. Texas would have energy. No matter who was a quarterback, they did when Ewers was out. But this dude's got $4 million. I ain't mad at him. I'm just telling you that this system is idiotic. Texas football isn't, and it is not popular because of Quinn Ewers or anybody currently on that team. B. John Robinson, what's that guy done? But he's got a Lamborghini. It ain't popular because of these guys. It's popular because it's the thread through the state. Guys in the day, like Johnny Mew Mew Muso, Earl Campbell. Are you kidding me? That's why it's popular. Giving this guy $4 million, we just got it backwards. Well, you give coaches $4 million. Yeah, because coaches stay there. Because for the most part, a place like Texas, they build it. And oh, by the way, when they get fired, they're out. Stop it. We got the world backwards. I don't want to go to work. Elon Musk is too mean. I need life and work balance. Good. Go get your life and work balance. And then don't bitch when somebody else makes a lot of money and seems to have a happier life. Whether they do or not, I don't know. People around me calling me a boomer. I call you all bleeders. People that come at me with, well, boomer. I go, hey, bleeder. Because they're bleeding all of us. These people that don't work, these people that don't have any self-esteem. Bah! world is backwards, and I ain't here for it. Get off my lawn. Actually, it's not get off my lawn. I refuse to accept that. I'm sure it's in here somewhere. It ain't get off my lawn. No. It's being a little bit older. It's having a little bit of wisdom to understand what the world really is about. So, And you're trying to spread it so that when some clowns here on Twitter... Uh, get to be 40 or 50, they're not, uh, well, you know, uh, probably should have worked hard. You know what I mean? There you go. Anyway, long story short, uh, it's a blast. If a 40-hour work week at a sweatshop, I'd hate to know what folks would think of the hours Marines faithfully did while serving. This guy says, how do you describe Elon's email? Dude said, hardcore, long-ass hours. Yeah. Yeah, in an office. Sounds like a Nike sweatshop. Uh Uh-huh. But the money is totally worth it. Dude, aren't you the ones demanding dads be dads? How is that possible working 80 hours? These guys are perfect. They're perfect politicians. Actually, they're perfect writers. Because nobody skews things now better than writers. Go to work. Shut up. You'll feel better about yourself. You're giving me gas. The whole world is backwards. I swear to God, it's backwards. And I'm here to fix it. Go to work. Simple. When you're done with work, you may not like it. You may not like having to get up. But I'm telling you what, it feels a hell of a lot better than sitting on your ass. The United States is soft. 
and I ain't here for it. My name is Dan Dockich, and I'm running for emperor of the world. Hey, tonight we got a football game. Guys actually have to go to work. Hell, NFL players don't go to work. Next time you hear some NFL player talking about, well, you know, the grind is real. It's like deployment. Yeah, well, let me tell you an NFL week. Oh, it's a short week this week. We're playing Thursday. Yeah, you'll be all right. NFL plays on Sunday. You know when they reconvene the players? They reconvene on Wednesday. Well, they got to get treatment. Really? Uh, my uncle had to go to a steel mill. My daughter wakes up every day at 5 and goes and teaches. What are you talking about? Well, they had to get treatment. Well, they had to watch film. Really? They don't do anything until Wednesday. Thursday a little, Friday a walkthrough, Saturday nothing, Sunday play the game. Oh, it's a deployment. Make them think you arrive at work at 4 a.m. and you can sleep till noon. That's the NFL coach's motto. True story. Anyway, so the NFL is tonight. Look, I'm taking Green Bay. I think Green Bay's got it figured out. I think the Texans are banged up. Hell, the Texans kicker. Randy Bullock is even banged up. I mean, what are you going to do? The center is banged up. Bud Dupree is banged up. Everybody's banged up. Get healthy. I need a tan, by the way. Get healthy, and then we'll talk. See, here in Indianapolis, we're going to get all fired up because now we have life. Jeff Saturday has brought us life. The number 58 for the Raiders not falling on the ball has brought us life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go, huh? We're only three back, two back, but a third because the Titans have the tiebreak. Well, if the Titans lose tonight to Green Bay, I think we're right back in this if we beat the Eagles. Well, maybe so. If my aunt had you-know-what, she'd be my uncle. And if my uncle didn't have you-know-what, she'd be my aunt. Assuming that my then-uncle would with my aunt. I don't know. It's a very confusing thing, but Sean Salisbury says it on my show all the time. And I really like it. But anyway, so tonight you're looking at a banged up team. And you're looking at uh, uh, the other way, if you want to look at it. The other way you look at it is Green Bay, Christian Watson's a bad boy. Woo, Christian Watson got it figured out a little bit with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is impossible to root for. And I don't want to. But I'm going to take tonight, I'm going to take the pack, I just think the Titans are too banged up. Uh, I do think that people ought to get off the backside of Ryan Tannehill. Look, I know Tannehill's about, I don't know, 62%, eight to three touchdowns. But you know what? Why do we give so much credit to so many quarterbacks for winning and we never, ever, ever give it to Tannehill? Ever. You know what we say about Tannehill? Well, he's got Derrick Henry. Well, Tom Brady had Gronkowski. We always do that. We wait for certain guys to fall apart if they're not on the right side of smart stuff. So Ryan Tannehill tonight's going to try to get another win. It's what Ryan Tannehill does. If he's under center and it's for the Titans, about a 67% chance he's going to win. That's pretty good. But yet everybody crushes on the dude, and I don't understand it. I'm sorry, I don't understand it. i tell you what I don't understand. You want to know what I don't understand? The infatuation with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a miserable human being, at least publicly. Now, privately, he may be a great dude. Privately, Kevin Durant may be the kind of guy that you go, hey, he's fun to be around. 
So this summer, Kevin Durant basically gave an ultimatum to the brass with the Nets. Either either Nash goes or I go. Well, he explained it yesterday. And part of his explanation was so insulting. Look at our starting line of Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect. Sure it is. You know what? He's a butt guy. It's no disrespect, but, but, what are you expecting from that group? So not only does he say that his teammates aren't good enough, he calls them out by name and then says they aren't good enough. You expect us to win because I'm out there? No, not really. You never really win without other guys. You expect us to win when we're playing? Like, shh. You know the one person they're going to look at. That's why I requested a trade. Well, no kidding. Is there? Well, there are. And you see them on Twitter today uh, in my mentions. There are many, many, many people that are softer in this world than Kevin Durant, but very few. But I got to tell you, he's par for the course in the NBA because we make these guys six foot 11, seven feet, and he could put a ball through a basket. And we make this guy out to be some sort of Buddha. Did you see this? So this is the NBA. So Jay Will today, I love Jay Will. He's a friend. But on his show, I forget what the name of the show is, said, oh, man, it's, it's, it's unbelievable down in Memphis now. You got the hip-hop artists, the rappers attending games. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I went that direction. Just It was a funny comment. That's what we worry about. Hey, all you got to do is look about every day a hip-hop artist or a rapper is killing somebody or getting killed. Jason Whitlock said it best, hip-hop and rap have a murder problem, but I digress. But those are the people that the NBA gets excited about going to games. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. But anyway, so Kevin Durant is sitting there calling out his teammates, and then he said, well, I didn't like the way the workload. Put more on me, he said, as the reason that he requested a trade. Put more on me. And then he goes out and says that crap. Kevin Durant's full of crap, but you know what? You got to hand it to him. Name me one NBA guy, now that Enos Kantner isn't in the league, that you pay any attention to for anything other than making a basket. I can't give you one. I'm sorry, I can't. I I pay attention. I'm old. What can I tell you? Guys say, you're just an old white guy. You don't understand. No, I understand perfectly. But when on one hand you're saying, hey, look, you all put this S on me when they lose, and then on the other hand you're saying, put it more on me, I can't help you. You're just getting through, and a fawning media will go, yeah, man, KD, man, he let him know. Shut up. Morons. Stupid morons. Mattress Matt is not a moron. Mattress Mac is my hero. Won $75 million this past year, and now, ladies and gentlemen, he is back at it. He made two bets yesterday, 10 to 1. He bet on Houston men's basketball to win the national championship. Million and 500,000 for the Calvin Sampson-led Houston Cougars to win a national basketball championship this year, a total of 1.5 million to win 10. Now I got to tell you, not a bad bet, Houston doesn't really play anybody during the season. They'll come in as a number one seed, so you got that. They're really good. Uh, A lot of people think Calvin Sampson's a great coach. I worked for him. He's fine. 
He has a, a unique ability to get kids to play hard, and if that's coaching, that's coaching. But him compared to Bob Knight as a coach is like uh, me compared to George Clooney with hair. I mean, it's just, you know, it's different. But anyway, this is an interesting bet, and I like it because it involves basketball. Now, I will tell you, where I, Calvin Sampson, and Mattress Mac wanted to come around, I tell them, get the hell out of here. Your stupidity is your stupidity. Don't put your bets on us. When you're coaching college basketball or college football, you don't want, you don't want your bets, other people's bets in your aura. It's like when I was in East Shippensburg, which is a city in Pennsylvania at a wedding. I asked my wife, hey, let's go in this shop. It wasn't a porn shop, but it was a witchcrafty, witchcrafty, weird shop. And she's like, oh, no, we're not going in there. You get that stuff and it attaches to you. And then you got bad luck. And I believe that. Don't put yourself in a position of evil spirits. So Calvin Sampson, let Mattress Mac make his bets. But you don't need to be around it. Mm -mm, No. Uh, Lamar Odom says that should stop it right there. Why in God's green earth would anybody ever listen to the artificial Viagra overdosing Lamar Odom? He says if you trade LeBron James, you'll get half a team back and the Lakers could be in contention. Now, we're talking about him on my show, and I got to tell you, I want to punch myself in the face. I do. For talking about this idiot. I mean, there are certain idiots that are interesting. There are. There are some. Like Gronkowski, basically an idiot. He ain't interesting. He's not. I mean, look, Pat McAfee, not an idiot. Interesting. Gronkowski, kind of an idiot. Not interesting. People think T.O. was an idiot. I didn't. I thought Terrell Owens was a genius when I looked at his. He had a uh, going back. He he had a, a reality show, and I loved it. Way better than Shaq's. I'll watch a reality show. Anyway, so... This guy, Lamar Odom, he's just an idiot. So I don't care what Lamar Odom says. But we were looking for content today. And people know Lamar Odom's name. And it was interesting because nobody would ever suggest trading LeBron James, except an idiot. He also says that he misses the love of his life, one of those crazy-ass Kardashians. Good for Lamar Odom. God bless you. I got to tell you, a friend of a friend did the same thing Lamar Odom did at the Chicken Ranch in Vegas, a very noted, very popular uh, whorehouse, I guess, house of ill repute, whatever you want me to say. My man gave him the credit card, and he said, let me know when the limit's up. He's in a hot tub with three hookers. They came and got him, said, Jimmy, credit card's up. He got up, cleaned up, went home. Lamar Odom did the same thing, right? Got himself some artificial Viagra. It went to a... House of ill repute, whatever sells here. Next thing you know, he ODs. Next thing you know, they got to get him out. He's no different than us. Well, not us. My friend, my friend of a friend named Jimmy. I'm not going to say his last name. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, get ready for it because it's the greatest thing that I have seen in forever. Ever. It is Elon Musk and his note to the workers of Twitter. Twitter employees are fantastically, what's the right word? Awful. 
horrendous. In fact, a side note, when these Twitter employees that are constantly being fired by Elon Musk, when we see them, you know what the first thing I think of is? That looks exactly like what I would think a Twitter employee looks like. Smug, young, smug, really doesn't know their ass from third base, but have all the degrees. I'm thinking, man, those four people right there look exactly like what I figured. Good for them. You got fired. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have to make a decision. Hopefully make the right one. Figure out the world. Go back to work. Musk had and sent an email called a fork in the road. Yeah. I love a fork in the road. Because if there's a fork in the road, you got to take it according to Yogi Berra. Sometimes you take the right fork. Sometimes you take the wrong fork. But here's what Elon Musk says. Going forward to be a breakthrough Twitter 2.0, listen to this, and succeed in an increasingly competitive world, we will need to be extremely hardcore. Yeah, you do. This will mean working long hours at high intensity. Our exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. Twitter will be much more engineering-driven. Design and product management will still be very important and report to me, but those writing great code will constitute the majority of our team and have the greatest sway. So you went to school to learn how to code. Next thing you know, you're getting a great opportunity at an international company. At its heart, Twitter is a software and servers company, so I think this makes sense. If you are sure that you want to be part of the new Twitter, please click on the link below. He sent some forms. Anyone who has not done so by 5 o'clock today will receive three months severance. Whatever decision you made, thank you for your efforts to make Twitter successful. Elon. Uh, And it has been hit. Here's some guy on Twitter. Wait, so let me get this straight. Now, this is how the world gets spun. All right? Guy says, look, you're going to be at our company. You're going to work hard at high intensity, and we're going to succeed. First message under, the one when I retweeted Wait, this is a guy who says he's too big for you. I bet he is. Wait, so let me get this straight. Employees should kill themselves. We said kill yourselves. Why Elon Musk goes to space. See what they did there? That's your local writer. Your local writer just did that. He should write for your local newspaper, for the Indy Star. That's perfect. Nowhere in there does it say that you should kill yourself. Nowhere in there does it imply you should kill yourself. And of course, Elon Musk going to space doesn't have anything to do with Twitter. It's obvious Elon Musk is working. This is exactly what's wrong with the world. Work-life balance, I would agree. You shouldn't be punished for expecting that. No, I disagree. Work-life balance is what's wrong with the world. Let me explain something to you. About two years ago, two and a half now, world was in pretty good shape. No wars, closed borders. Why? Because the guy who was in charge of the world, Trump, while he is insanely crazy and a despicable human being, worked around the clock. Infamously. Now we got a guy that doesn't know where he is, can't speak, and the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. I support hard work. I support hard work. The next one is good. Elon owns the company. What do, you do, what do you not understand about that concept? How hard is that work seriously? Here's what the guy says. Again, this guy, 
too big for you, that's fine. But that doesn't give him the right to expect people to give up their life so he can make more money. Did anybody say give up your life? Did anybody say that? See, this is the hyperbola that you get into. This is what I have been the victim of from uh, the Indianapolis Star, and many people have been. They change it around. You know what I mean? They change it around. And it's beautiful. So, you know what? Uh, I get a kick out of all of it. No one wants to work anymore. They're called bleeders. Now, the majority of people that argue on Twitter with people of my age call us boomers. I call them bleeders because they bleed our society. There's actually another reason I call them bleeders, but I don't know if it's offensive to blood. (laughs) So the bleeders are mad. The groomers are mad. Everybody's mad. Why? Because you got to work hard. It's unbelievable. Working hard is fulfillment. Oh, guy said to me, oh, you're and your rich buddies. Yeah, I got rich buddies, and you know what? Everyone didn't start out rich, but they work like hell. They still work like hell. Don't apologize ever for being successful. Don't apologize ever for working hard. Don't apologize ever for being okay. You know the stigma now, it's okay to not be okay. I agree with that. It's also okay to be okay. It's also okay to have some money in your pocket because you worked for it. It's also okay to have some fulfillment because your house is big because you worked for it. Because when you were 22 years old and just out of college, you had a plan, took a crap job, understood beyond your nose, and you went to work. And you worked hard and you bypassed people like too big for you who sat on their ass whining about giving up my life. Sweatshop, just because a guy said in an email, hey, we're going to work really hard with great intensity. Don't ever apologize for being okay. Don't ever go, well, you know, I'm this too. No. If people want to sit around and whine about their lives, don't jump in. Don't. Don't jump in with them. Just look at them. And when they ask you, hey, man, I started busting my ass the day I got out of college, went to work for Bob Knight, got treated like crap for about 12 years, went on my own, worked for 10 years as a head coach, didn't work out, kept, kept trying, kept striving, and now here I am. And if you all that are whining about your lives don't like it, good for you. And people always say, well, basketball, you got lucky. There wasn't no luck to it. While a bunch of dudes that were more talented than me were drinking, smoking, hanging out, I was in my driveway shooting hoops. Mm. Don't ever apologize for being successful. Don't ever apologize. Don't. When Jared Shaw becomes the number one music artist in this country, I'll tell the story of how hard that kid works every day. Mark my words. Don't apologize and don't listen to idiots. It's a perfect morning. It is a perfect, perfect, perfect morning for this. You know what I mean? Uh, who's your 34? See, I believe in 99% of the people actually want success, want to work for success. We're still living in a free country for now. You're right. Who's your 34? Biden and these idiots are trying to shut that down. Trillion employees have every right to go find a new job if they don't like the new hours. They can follow their own advice. Join former Keystone Pipeline workers installing solar panels. That's awesome. That is spectacular. That is the truth. Got the world backwards. 
hey, I don't care. If I'm a lone guy out here advocating for work, then I'll be the lone guy. If I'm the lone guy advocating for sacrifice for future riches, I'm your guy. I will not be the guy that's advocating for government handouts. I will not be the guy advocating for woe is me. It's just not who I am. Woe is me, my backside. Chass up and go to work. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, here we go. We lost, uh, we lost our way in this country, and I'm here to help us find it. One show at a time, baby. That's right, one show at a time. You know, it is amazing how people don't want to go to work. All right, we got a lot of craziness in this world, and I got to show you some. So this is R.I.P. Award? It's the damn awards. Don't at me. There's a woman. She goes viral on TikTok. You got to see what this woman says. She belittles her white father at his funeral. The dude is dead. She says she won't miss him because he's a racist, Trump-loving, cis, straight, white male. Hey, go blank yourself, lady. She also said in this, she knows what he did for his family, but the derangement syndrome of Donald Trump is incredible to me. Cis white, shut up with the cis stuff. Just shut up with all that crap. You know what? Let's show this idiot. She done yet? This idiot. Uh, You're a cis white male. Don't make up terms. Like doxing. You doxed me. Made up term. Cis white male made up term. Don't make up terms. I don't want to hear made up terms. And you know, this is how gutsy these people are. Can't wait to post it to TikTok, right? It's got to be posted to TikTok. But look how far away the camera is, right? You can't see her face. The woman didn't say who she was. And she's got her big hat on, you know, the pussy hat or whatever they call it. These people are gutsy. Gutsy, these people. My father's dead, so I'm going to talk about him like that. I'm telling you, we're raising an entire generation of bleeder idiots. Thank God for Dylan and Ryan. Thank God for you too. But it is astounding. I'll show you, Dad. He's dead. There's a special place in hell for people like this. There is. Uh, I don't pretend to be the guy that determines heaven and hell. It just feels like there is. I don't know. It's probably a special place in hell for a guy like me too. What are you going to do? All right. This is called the Bigfoot Award. Six foot nine and ready to grind. A Texas woman made the world Guinness Book of Records for having the biggest feet ever. Let's show her. These are some spats. Look at this. That's right. You talk about man hands. Good for her. Nothing wrong with that. And she seems happy about it. I really couldn't hear the audio, but she doesn't seem too upset about it. She's got the big feet. You know what they say? Big hands, big feet. Big gloves, big shoes. For her. The heck. I like it. Hey, man, 
Let me tell you something. Women are the best. They are just simply the best. Don't at me about it. Don't. Just don't. She gets the Bigfoot Award. I mean, that doesn't have to be like Sasquatch. It can be two words, Bigfoot. See what I did there? Entrepreneur Award to our friend Big Cat. Big Cat, who's been on the show. Dan Katz of Barstool Sports, one of the best dudes you're ever going to meet. He wins our Entrepreneurial Award. You got to understand something about the cat. The cat loves him some coffee. The cat does not, absolutely does not get his day going without coffee. In fact, now that the big cat, Dave Portnoy, and the boys and girls of Barstool have so much money, they can start doing incredibly fun things like host basketball games, football games, and have their own coffee brand. This coffee is in honor of his rescue dog, Stella Blue. Stella Blue got rescued by the great Dan Katz 11 and a half years ago. So what did Dan Katz do? He honors Stella Blue with a coffee. We have Lula. I don't know that we rescued her. She was in a garbage bin. Our neighbors got a litter of her and her brothers and sister. I don't know. Next thing you know, Lula's at our house. I'd name my coffee Lula. Lula Mae Bigford, named after my wife, Lee Ross, her aunt. Lula Mae Bigford was her name. She was a hussy, the town hussy, married six times. That's right. We named our dog after a hussy. You got to look up what a hussy is. You know what I mean? You got to look it up. You got to see. A hussy is someone I can get down with. That's right. Oh, uh, are we doing, we going dirty jobs? Let's go dirty jobs. Yeah, let's go dirty jobs while we're, go, while we're doing this. This is gross. Like, see what he did there? Dirty jobs. This is Steve Jobs' sandals from the 1970s. Dirty Jobs, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, one of the great innovators, blah, 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 blah. God rest his soul. But Steve Jobs' sandals sold for, I'm going to make sure this is right, $218,750. Now, had you told me that those nasty-ass Birkenstocks would have sold for $750, I'd have said you overpaid. I think we all would have. These are from the 70s when he was grunge guy. These are from the 70s when he was walking through the wilderness, man, smoking a little paoli, trying to figure out the next big thing, and he did, man. These are nasty. These sold, let me get it right, $218,000 plus. It's amazing. If you know somebody famous, steal their stuff. I did with Bob Knight. One day I was in, maybe I've told this story, but I was in assembly hall in our office late night working. Oh my God, it was late night. I didn't have a balance between family and them. Anyway, I was late night working and I was digging through some notes because I wanted, I had to give a graduation speech at my high school, which by the way, I gave arguably the worst graduation speech ever. And Andre in high school, I would like another swing at it. I am. I would like another crack at that because I gave you a bad speech. Usually I give you a good speech. I gave you a bad speech, but I digress. I saw some notes, game notes from Coach Knight. 
I took them. I got them wrapped in some cellophane. I was thinking at some point maybe these will become like Steve Jobs is dirty ass sneakers or Birkenstocks. I got to stop saying, I'm stop swearing right now because we can't monetize it. But anyway, I'm hoping at some point, hey, look, Dan, you're down on your luck. Didn't you say you had a Saran wrap Bob Knight notes? Yeah. We'll buy them off you. $218,750. I'd say no, $751 because they got to be more than that. It's Bob Knight talking about. All right. I don't know about this. Um, I could see how this happened, but when you compare Tim Tebow and Jay Cutler, there really is no comparison as a pro quarterback. Now, as an icon, obviously, both have iconic status. One, Tebow, because, well, a lot of people believe he is Jesus on earth, and the other, Cutler, because they believe he's the devil on earth. By the way, Cutler was fantastic, fantastic in his reality show. Fantastic. But anyway, let's look at Jeopardy. Uh, here's a little something-something from Jeopardy the other day where they got mixed up. Kick off the round for us. Let's do first-time responses for 400, please. The occupation seen at work on the left or the pro football retiree on the right? Andrew. What is Tebow? No. <laughs> They're both Cutler. What is Cutler? I'm in a little bit of rarefied air here by saying this, okay? But when that dude in the middle pushed that button, he literally knew one football player. That's it. If you'd have said Cutler, he had no idea to this day who Jay Cutler is. He would have no idea to this day who Tom Brady is. He knew one word, answer, football player, Tebow. In fact, one of the things that's interesting about watching Jeopardy certainly isn't me answering the questions because, well, I just, I'm dumb. And I think you all would attest to that. But one of the great things about that, about Jeopardy, is when somebody pushes the button, you kind of immediately know whether they know or not, right? That guy had no idea. He pushed the button. He knew the name Tebow. It didn't matter that they were cutting something on the other side because he would have had no idea. He might have known Cutco Knives. He might have known uh, the cutters in Breaking Away, but he didn't know Jay Cutler. No, people wouldn't have known Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler in that picture looked like some preening Hollywood guy. He had the good eyes going. But anyway, I love it. I like Jeopardy. I like when people mistake people. It's just fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. San Francisco, San Francisco launched this. They actually have put this into their budgetary process. Transgender guaranteed income. Transgender guaranteed income. Now, I am fully aware, fully aware, if I don't say, hey, look, um, it's great, then I am going to be transphobic. I'm fully aware of that. But I think this sucks. I think this is asinine. I think this is ridiculous. I think this is offensive to people that, you know what, try to get by 
day by day. And I'm not saying it because it is transgender-based. I'm saying it because it is ridiculous-based. Now, I don't know if any of you agree with this, and I'm sure there will be, uh, I don't know, something there to rid the world of me for not just saying, hey, look, this is great. But I got to tell you, giving $1,200 a month to somebody because they are transgender is offensive to me, to people that work hard every day and can't make ends meet. I don't care what you do with trans. I don't care. 80%, according to Tulsi Gabbard, 80% of transgender people who seek medical intervention eventually lose desire to identify as the opposite sex. This is according to Tulsi Gabbard. Woke lies by Biden's administration, MSM, and radical activists encouraging mutilating kids' bodies and minds under the guise of gender-affirming care are destroying countless lives. Now, that's Tulsi Gabbard, who actually, when you look at this, is probably the most honest person out there. Look, we can all close our eyes and be afraid. Well, transgender people are going to get me. Go ahead, get me. It's amazing to me. It truly is. It's truly amazing to me that we are allowing this to go on. It really, truly is. And it's even more amazing to me now that we just simply say, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, it is what it is. There are 27 different genders that you can sign up for to get money. True story. So here's the deal with this. Mayor London Breed announced the launch of a guaranteed income program. I say guaranteed. For the trans community, the Guaranteed Income for Trans People program will provide low-income transgender San Franciscans with $1,200 a month for up to 18 months to help address financial insecurity within trans communities. The pilot program, first guaranteed income initiative to focus solely on trans trans people. It will provide regular, unconditional transgender Cash transfers. There you go. I mean, this is what we worry about in our country. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. And good for the people that are going to get the income. I hope it helps. I do. But what a world we live in, man. What a world. Because you you change your sex, the government's going to give you money. Because you change your sex, the government is going to give you money. We allow little girls and little boys to make these decisions privately without telling their parents. We allow doctors to butcher little girls and little boys. We don't allow little girls and little boys to smoke cigarettes. But we allow them to change their gender? The world is weird. That's the theory. My theory today and my my deal today is the world is backwards. We beg. Beg 18 to 23-year-olds to go play college basketball and football for free with every amenity. And then on top of it, we've got grown men like IU football coach Tom Allen giving eight-minute pleas on radio shows for more money for said athletes. I want you to think about eight minutes on a radio show. Eight minutes is a long time. We've got guys out there, established coaches that are saying, yeah, I don't want to help anymore. This is insane. We got it backwards. 
Dan, what's your solution? My solution is the same as it was to start the show. Build the best universities with the best facilities. We're already doing that. Give players a stipend. Give players the opportunity to make money. Fine. Don't care. But don't have grown adult men begging other grown well grown adult men and women, excuse me, begging other grown adult men and women for money for 18 to 23-year-olds in public. Just don't do it. You got to do it right now. It's embarrassing. It's insulting. It empowers the people that know the least, 18 to 23-year-olds. Why? Because they could play football, basketball, baseball, whatever. You know what? It's kind of funny. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. His son is in youth football, and he plays CYO football. And he's like, Dan, it's nuts. He made this point to me, and I didn't even think about it. He goes, you know, Dan, the pressure now just to get to college isn't about a scholarship. The pressure now on little kids in youth football and the parents to get to college for the NIL money, the NIL money, that Ewers kid at Texas hasn't turned a tap as a quarterback. Texas has always been good. He's making $4 million. So he said to me, he goes, Dan, I'm telling you, I've seen more parent fights. Hell, I I didn't even think about this part of it until he brought it up. He goes, why do you think all of a sudden now, and it happened again the other day, guns are being drawn at youth football games. Tensions are incredible at youth football games. Basketball, it's kind of always been that, but I guarantee it's the same. Why do you think so? Because right now going to college is a lifetime of money. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's good. I'm sure it is. I'll be interested 10 years from now to see if it's really good. But we're already seeing, and again, this is not coming from me, although I think he's right. I didn't even think about it. He goes, Dan, why do you think all of a sudden Aqib Tlaib's brother's shooting somebody? We literally in this country see a youth football fight or shooting every single week now. There was one just two days ago. I think it was St. Louis or Cincinnati. Because the pressure now is so big. It's not about going to local university and getting a scholarship and mommy and daddy don't have to pay for school. It ain't that. It's, hey, you got to get really good. You got to get to school. You got to get a scholarship and get really good. And there's NIL money and we don't have to work anymore. You have to make the NBA or NFL. NFL just busts up your brain. Just get to college, get your $4 million. Like what's his name? Garrett Ewers, whatever the hell his name is. Seriously, when he said that, I thought to myself, damn, you know what? You're right. There is a ton of shootings now. There is a ton of hassles now. It's all over the place in youth football. I didn't think about it. I did not think about it until he brought it up, and he's on the front lines of it. Every Sunday, Dan, there's something. Not a shooting. There's something. Didn't used to be something. Now there's something. Basketball, there's always been something. Basketball, uh, but man, football and shootings, telling you, we got the world backwards and don't at me about it. Think about it for just a second. People don't want to go to work. Elon Musk puts out an email that frightens every little bleeder millennial. Oh my God, you're giving up your life. No, you're not. You're working hard for your company. Well, why would you work hard for your company? You're just making uh, the owner money. Well, isn't that what a company is? There's beautiful. There's beauty in ownership, baby. 
There is absolute beauty in ownership. I always said, if I went back into intercollegiate athletics, I want to be the AD. I don't want to be the coach. The AD's a pain in the backside job, but you know what? The AD gets hired and fired. As a coach, you get to be hired and fired. Although ADs are getting hired and fired now. We got it backwards. Build the biggest and the best universities. Invite 18 to 23-year-olds to participate in the biggest and the best. And next thing you know, next thing you know, they'll still come. Football will still be great. No question about it. I got a monster for you. I got Ian Miller coming up. He's got opinions on all of this. He is America's, uh, really maybe America's smartest columnist. And our boy, the great Tom Izzo, I-Z-Z-O. Hey, by the way, did any of you guys see this? Did any of you guys see the craziness going on at Notre Dame? Notre Dame, baby. Don't go backwards. Think forward. We got Cy Young Award winners. We got Rookie of the Year winners. We got Manager of the Year. We got all kind of stuff with Ian Miller coming up. The world is backwards. Go to work, people. Go to work. Get a job. Work hard. Build your resume. Then own. Then hire and fire. Then you can be like Elon Musk. I got a headache. Be right back. Hey, football season is in full swing. It's time to cash in on your favorite players with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Here's the deal simply pick two or more players and decide if they score more or less than their projections. The more players you pick, the more you can win up to 10 times your money. All first time users that deposit and use promo code Dockage will receive a 100% deposit bonus match up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100. Entries on Prize Picks can be made in seconds. They offer fast, safe withdrawals. Download it today. Don't forget to use promo code Dockich for a special welcome bonus. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There's nobody smarter than Ian Miller. I'll say that. I, I'll say it. And I'll, I'll stand up to it. I'll live it. I'll love it. I'll know it. I'll say it. I at I-A-N, Ian. M-S-C. He joins us now. All right. I lived, grew up an hour away from South Bend. And I was never that big an Irish fan, never that smart to get in. A couple of my buddies did. Uh, Notre Dame always in the news for something. And Notre Dame has crazy new vaccine requirements. I thought we were done with this, Ian, because I saw flu prescription medicines being advertised. I hadn't seen that in two years. What are we doing here at Notre Dame? Yeah, it, it's pretty nuts. They're requiring, uh, the, you know, the new boosters for everybody that, that all students. And it, the the th- craziest part to me was it's not just students; it's students that are taking classes remotely. So you don't even have to come to campus, and you still have to get boosted according to Notre Dame. 
it, it, it's totally insane. I, I mean, obviously it's unjustifiable, but I, I really don't understand what the possible explanation for this could be. It, it just, there's no, obviously it doesn't stop getting infected or, or transmitting the virus to others. We just, we've seen this already. Uh, so what's the reason for this? There's, these are healthy college students. They're 20 years old. They don't need it anyway. It's, it's a COVID of little to no danger to them. Um, I, I don't really have a good explanation. It just seems like it's a political thing at this point. Just to be clear, I'm sitting at my house. I'm typing on my computer over here. I'm taking a class. I'm in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And Notre Dame is going to say, hey, wait a second, Dan. You've got to have a boost, and you got to. I'm assuming you've got to send us and prove to us that you have a boost to do the show, or not do the show, to do your studies from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. That's what you're telling me. That's what the policy says. It, it's completely insane. I, I, I mean, it, it's totally ludicrous that this is what we've come to, and it, it just feels like they did that so that they could uh, not allow other, some students to get exceptions or you know, allow the students to kind of avoid getting the, the new booster if they didn't want to. Um, so it's, it's really onerous rules that they've created here. And, and again, without any justification, the CDC director in September uh, got the new booster and said, oh, I'm now have enhanced protection against the Omicron variant of COVID and then got COVID the next month. Then the FDA director got this new booster and then got COVID within a month or two of getting this new booster. So, yeah, completely indefensible mandates here from Notre Dame. Yeah, look, I, I, whenever I see, I always think two things are involved, and the first is always money. Hey, what's Pfizer and Moderna doing? Now they're, <clears throat> now they're switching and seeing if their vaccines harmed people, or, or are they switching to see how much harm did they do or both? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, these, these have been safety signals that have been out there for a while uh, with myocarditis, especially with younger men. And this is another reason why these Notre Dame mandates are, are indefensible. It's that you know, the, the group of people that are uh, being forced to get this are the ones at the highest risk of getting a serious side effect. And, you know, they're, they're still fairly rare from what the research that I've seen, but they are there. They're not it's not it doesn't it never happens. Um, and so whenever, whenever there's a risk, there has to be some kind of, you know, consent or in, required, but colleges are removing that consent. Um, you know, it's good to see that they are studying this, but why weren't they doing it before? Uh, you know, this is not something that's new. We've known about this for well over a year now. I think there was data from Israel from 2021 that showed that there was an increased risk of myocarditis. Um, so it, it is concerning that it took this long to get there. I think there was a lot of uh, concern that the messaging of you know safe and effective would be undermined if they admitted that they were going to be testing for safety signals. So um, you know it's it's better late than never. But yeah, it is frustrating. It took them this long. How much money will they make? That's all I ever think of. Like, all right, then we're going to come out with something else. I, I, it just gives me a freaking headache, Ian, and you understand it way better than I do. I just, as a simpleton, say, yeah, okay. Uh, how much we make it. All right, Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. The awards came out. Verlander wins the Cy Young Award with the Astros. Let me ask you a question. This is totally off. It's on topic, but off topic. I was driving home yesterday listening to Mad Dog, and people are saying, look, they're not going to re-sign Verlander. Dude just won a Cy Young Award, and they're not going to re-sign him. Give me your thoughts on this. It wouldn't surprise me. Nothing the Astros do surprises me at this point. Um, you know, they 
they did this with Carlos Correa just last year where he was, you know, one of their best players, helped them, uh, you know, get to the World Series all these years in a row. Um, and he was still in his prime. He was in his late to mid to late 20s. And they let him walk. Um, I mean, obviously, they, they brought up Jeremy Pena, who wound up having a very good season for them. But, um, you know, they've, they've done this before where they've let their kind of marquee players, uh, George Springer, too, a few years ago, uh, leave. And uh, especially now that they fired the general manager, I mean, they fired the general manager a week after winning the World Series. I mean, I, I don't know that that's ever happened. I, I couldn't find an example of it happening. So it wouldn't stun me that they let their Cy Young Award winner, you know, who's now become one of their key contributors and key players and, uh, you know, a, kind of a legendary Astro now, if they let him walk to somebody else. Uh, they're just a very oddly run organization at times, it seems like. You know, you can't argue with Jim Crane. Uh, he's kind of the, ne- the new Steinbrenner, right? Uh, George Steinbrenner from the 70s and 80s. He, he's got a guy. You're right. He fired the GM. So here's Verlander. Third, what is he, 39 years old. Uh, fourth oldest to win a Cy Young. You know, Clemens did it at 42. Obviously, there's questions about Clemens uh, and what, how he was able to do it. I, I don't think there's any questions about Verlander, right? No, not that I've heard. He, he's had an unbelievable career and, and you know, turned himself into an absolute surefire Hall of Famer to me. And, um, you know, what he's been able to do is unbelievably impressive. And one of the things that always impresses me with him is that, you know, he's he's able to kind of dial up extra velocity whenever he needs it. So he'll start the game throwing 93, 94, and then by the sixth or seventh inning, he's throwing 98, 99. And he's still doing that at 39 years old and coming off of an injury where he missed you know, most of the, what was it, a year and a half or something like that. So, yeah, he's he's a he's a superstar and, and, you know, he's been completely dominant. He had an incredibly dominant regular season. I've always thought he would fit in very well with the Dodgers because he's a great regular season pitcher who struggles in the playoffs, and that's that's the Dodgers to a T. So wouldn't surprise me if they go after him, but uh, he's he's definitely earned another contract for sure. All right, this is weird to me because I'm old-school, bald-headed, fat guy that says, man, Fergie Jenkins threw 400 innings. Wilbur Woods started both games of a doubleheader one time, the old fat knuckleballer. So then I was looking this uh, Sandy Alcantara up, and one of the things that I saw is he led the majors with six complete games. And I'm like, six complete games? That was a month for Fergie Jenkins, but that's a big deal in today's. Um, 2.28 ERA, the dude, uh, was the best pitcher in the national league or was he? I definitely think he was. And I think that that the six complete games, it all matters. And the amount of innings that he threw matters because, you know, going deeper into games, pitching more innings, it helps your team, not just obviously for that particular game, but you know, it's a long season, 162 game season. So if you can go deep into games consistently, you're saving the bullpen and you're saving it for a couple of days um, every time that you pitch. And that, that really matters. And it's not just about, you know, eating up innings. He does it in a dominant fashion. Like you say, his ERA was really low. He, he struck a lot of hitters out. Um, you know, he was consistently pretty much consistently dominant every time he went out there and, and for six, seven innings at a time. And that's, that's exactly what you would want in a modern pitcher. He's uh, you know kind of came out of nowhere to do that, but, really an impressive season and, and definitely deserved the Cy Young in the National League. Um, and, you know, it's going to be the, the Marlins. It's, it's just they've had so much talent come through there. It's going to be interesting to see if they're able to hold on to him on the long term. I'm wrong about this. 
and I really liked the guy. Met him twice when I was working at ESPN. But I believe Terry Francona is such a media darling. He could lead a team to 62 and 100, and they would vote him manager of the year. That's my opinion. Buck Showalter, same thing, because he worked at ESPN and everybody liked him. That's my opinion on the manager of the year. It's very ill-informed. It's very sarcastic. And you know what? I'm sure very wrong, right? These two guys got what they deserved. No, I actually don't disagree with you. I mean, I mean Francona, everything you hear from him, uh, from the media is that he's just the most well-liked, you know, beloved figure. And it's, it's player, uh, teams that you wouldn't think had any connection to him at all. But he's very well-liked, which is great. But... Uh, doesn't mean that you should win manager of the year. I, you know, I think he did a fairly good, <clears throat> excuse me, a fairly good job. But, um, you know, I think you could make an argument that Dusty Baker could win it when the Astros just churned along 106 games again you know, and re- after replacing young players and, uh, you know, or key players, I should say. Uh, you know, at the, and in the National League, you know, Showalter, he did. He also did a great job. But the Mets had the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. Of course they were going to win 100 right. games. That was the expectation. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there were definitely other candidates you could go to, and and their popularity definitely plays a role. The media votes on these these awards, so I think that does matter to some extent. I I know. I mean, honest to God, I, Terry Francona, great. Yes, they did great. They came back. They played fantastic baseball, and I got no problem with Francona being manager of the year. But you, to your point, if it wasn't going to be Showalter with the Mets, who should it have been in the National League? Um, you know, I, I, it's hard to say Dave Roberts because the Dodgers are expected to be a great team every year, but you win 111 games in the regular season. I mean, that was the best regular season in, in, since 1939, you know, that's, that's an accomplishment to some extent. Um, you know, I think you could say that the, uh, you know, the Phillies, uh, Rob Thompson, that coming back from being kind of buried and then, you know, fighting your way to the postseason, getting through, uh, taking over in a tough situation. That's an impressive job. It wasn't the full season, but. You know, they really they needed somebody to come in and kind of being a steadying force. And that's exactly what he was. Um, you know, the Braves also had did it, had an incredible season. And, uh, you know, they technically significantly improved on their uh, their 2021. And they went they had, I think, the second best record in baseball from uh, June 1st on to the end of the year. So another impressive job. There, there were a lot of good candidates this year. Um it's not that Showalter did a, a bad job by any means, but it's just that, again, the expectations there were already pretty high, and I think he just kind of met them. He didn't really exceed them, I would say. I agree. All right. Alvarez, Otani, Judge. Who's going to be the MVP tonight? I think it's going to be Judge, uh, and I think it's it, it, it should be Judge. And, you know, war, baseball war is not a, a perfect statistic, but – it's kind of meant for these comparisons when you can look at, say, Judge and Otani, where Otani's value is so hard to quantify because he's doing something that's basically never been done before. But his, you know, war from pitching and hitting was less than Aaron Judge's just from hitting. So, you know, Otani kind of comes in as the default choice every year because, again, he's doing something that's completely unprecedented and provides so much value to his team because the, he saves a pitching spot, he's a rotation spot, and he's a hitter. Um, but Judge was just so transcendently good this year and and was unbelievably impactful on, on offense and defense to an extent, too. He played center field, which is the hardest position in the outfield for a long portion of the season, and still hit 62 home runs and, you know, had this unbelievable slugging percentage on, on base percentage. So Judge would be my choice, and I think he is going to win it tonight, too, and deservedly so. Who's the NL uh, MVP? 
Oh man, it's really close. I I don't know. I I you know I think it could go could go either way. It could go you know Arenado, Goldschmidt. They all deserved it. Um, it was you know Freddie Freeman was up there as far as his his production. Um, it was a really kind of a tight year in the NL. Nobody really separated themselves. So you know whoever wins is going to be right in that same same wheelhouse. Um, next year it will be Aaron Judge with the Dodgers. So that's my prediction for next year. Oh, and you're a Dodger fan. That's not relevant at all here. It's just completely objective uh, observation that uh, <laughs> that Aaron Judge will be a Dodger next year. Yeah, well, pal, I got Aaron Judge sitting in right field in Wrigley. Jason Hayward <laughs> just retired. We freed up a little bit of money. It's going to be Aaron Judge leading us back to prominence with uh, Correa at shortstop. It's going to and uh, <laughs> we're going to move Horner to second. It's going to be the Larry Bowe to Ryan Sandberg combination of 1984 with uh, Aaron Judge pounding, pounding home runs in Wrigley. Or maybe it's not. Hey, I want to go through a couple of things that you talked about. I was looking at your Twitter before we did the show, and you have some interesting stuff. I'll give you one. Australia, um, COVID cases up 90% in the past two weeks despite being one of the world's highest vaccination and booster rates. Let me ask you a question. All right, I get the point about boosters and vaccination, but when you say up 90%, my brain went to, well, is it, is it, are there more variants? Is it more dangerous now, particularly in Australia? Is that coming to the United States? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's been, uh, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they had a surge last year around the same time too. So it could just be kind of a seasonal effect thing uh, down there. And But, you know, a, a, the larger point stands that it's just, how, no matter how many people get vaccinated or boosted, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't stop the spread of, of COVID, it doesn't stop cases. I mean, everybody is going to get COVID at some point, probably multiple times in the next you know, three, four, five years, because the variants will change. So you, you have some immunity to one and it fades over a couple of years and then the next one comes in. It's kind of what happens with the flu as well. But, uh, you know, Australia, they, they kind of follow the strategy of, well, you know, we'll we'll close everything down until we get everybody vaccinated. And to some extent, it did kind of help them. But it also meant that as soon as they opened up, they had massive COVID cases, you know, this just spreading everywhere. Um, no matter how high, high their vaccination or booster rates went. So uh, I think it kind of disproves a lot of arguments that experts were making. And, and Dr. Fauci was out there saying a couple uh, last year that if you just got 70% of people vaccinated, we would eliminate the possibility of COVID surges. Eliminate it. That's what he said. And obviously that did not happen. Australia is way past that. It's like 96% of everybody over 12 is vaccinated. And they're still seeing surges now after they had a big one not too long ago, too. So it is it is just something it's inevitable. It's something we're not going to be able to control. And I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes that we made over the last couple of years was assuming that we could control it. And Australia is kind of the case study for that that failure. I wanted to end with this because my wife, uh, my wife works part time at the mall here in an athletic store, and she does it because it costs us money. She gets 50% off all the apparel. So every time she goes to work, it costs me a freaking fortune. However, now there is a push, at least around here, because it's flu season, to wear masks. People are actually getting upset if you don't have a mask on. You write cases in Japan are rising dramatically. Uh, 
again and top 10 globally while having a near 100% masking rates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's especially bad when you talk about the flu, because all of these studies that we had pre-COVID that showed masks didn't work, which is why Fauci and Jerome Adams, the former Surgeon General, and all of these other people were on television saying nobody should be wearing masks in February of 2020. All of these studies saying they didn't work were conducted on the flu. So it's not just that they don't work against COVID. It's that we know from years of studying, years of, of controlled trials and data that masks do not stop the flu. So this this now this push to say that it you know we need to wear them for every respiratory virus is just completely indefensible and, and there's no evidence behind it. And Japan, you know, again, if this was if masks worked so well, this should not be happening. It's not that Japan has you know done worse in the United States or done worse in this country or that country, but they they've seen surge after surge after surge, um, and you can see these little waves that come and go as they how much compliance is. They, ha they have, and it's it's basically 100% from the survey data that we've seen. So if it was going to work anywhere at preventing COVID forever, Japan would be the example, and yet it's not working there. So if it's not working there when everybody's doing it, how could it work anywhere else? Uh, but that's never, you know, they don't ever want to answer those questions, which is, is always very frustrating. Um, and one other quick thing is that Japan last summer had a huge outbreak of RSV. You know, we've heard a lot of talk about RSV in, in recent months, too, because it's gone up, especially in kids. 2021 in Japan, they had a huge RSV outbreak. And again, this is with 100 percent masking. So we know it doesn't stop COVID. We know it doesn't stop the flu. It doesn't stop RSV. It doesn't really stop much of anything. And yet they keep keep pushing it forever. Um, last, last thing, because this is fascinating to me. What the hell happened to monkeypox? I know it just it just went away. Uh, you know, seemingly the cases have all disappeared. But it, it's again, it's just like the media kind of hyped this up as the next big thing because it was, uh, the, you know, a lot of people were saying, "Well, it's going to be a, a global pandemic, and it's uh, children are going to get it spread, uh, you know, via the air like COVID is. It's it's going to be a, a you know a huge outbreak." And it turns out, no, it's mostly essentially a sexually transmitted disease that requires very specific conditions to happen. Um, if you weren't engaging in those things, it wasn't going to you weren't going to get it and. You know, they, it's just faded away because it was never actually that prolific to begin with. Um, and so as soon as it became something that people realized wasn't a big deal, the media kind of let it go because it wasn't going to, you know, sell newspapers or whatever it would be, you know, get ratings. Um, and that's, it's just kind of disappeared. So it's, it's nice. It's, I'm glad that that, I'm glad that it did disappear because like you can only handle one crisis at a time. These damn enough. <laughs> Honest to God, this is the way, I, and I hate that I look at it this way, but when I saw monkeypox, before I kind of researched and found out what it was, I mean, then I said, hey, how about you stop having orgies and we can maybe get this thing solved. I thought this was, this is the way I, 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 I don't know if I'm trained to think this way, but this is the way I originally thought, okay, here comes another thing for the Democrats to, to hold on to and win. I don't know why, I feel bad that I felt that way, but that's the way I felt, Ian. Oh, it's it's deserved. You know, it, COVID it certainly uh, allowed many many groups, but especially Democratic politicians, to kind of take advantage of the situation and engage in these kind of authoritarian ruling style that we would never have expected to happen in America. And now that they've set that precedent, it is very scary because we know people will comply. People won't. You know, they're not upset when their businesses get shut down or not in any organized fashion, uh, or when schools are closed. They just kind of all accepted it and, and moved on. So, yeah, setting that precedent and allowing that to become now part of our playbook here in the United States is very dangerous. And it does 
it's a very valid concern to think, well, what's the next thing that they're going to use to do all this stuff all over again? Uh, and yeah, it's a concern that I have too. Yeah, it's amazing. Hey, Ian, great stuff, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. And thank for all you're doing for uh, OutKick and for us. Oh, of course. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, that's good stuff right there. Um, at ENSC, and you're going to learn more from his Twitter account than you will learn from any news operation outlet about COVID, about baseball, uh, about vaccines, about the stupidity going on in our world. Speaking of stupidity, I love this. I don't like this. I love this. All right, the Vikings are mad at the commanders. That's right. The Vikings and the commanders are going at it. This is old school hate, and it's over gold chains. That's right. Izzo joins us, by the way. So you know what happened. The Vikings got a win. Everybody put on their gold chains, their diamond necklaces, around the bare-chested, beer-drinking Kirk Cousins. And it was awesome. It was on the plane flight home, and it was great. We all enjoyed it. It was different. It was new. It was fun. And there was some dancing involved, you know, some, you know what I mean? There was all kinds of stuff happening. Well, guess what? The Vikings aren't the only ones. They're actually trendsetters in this. What are you talking about, Dan? Well, what I am talking about is the commanders did that with Taylor Heineke after their monster win this past weekend, Heineke got the full treatment. Heineke got the gold chains. Heineke, we showed it yesterday, had the two beers in his hands. Heineke went all Kirk Cousins and the boys. The boys didn't like it. No, they didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. There's nothing about it that they liked. They said, wait a second, this just can't not be. We're going to complain about something so unbelievably insignificant as this, as Kirk Cousins dressing up <laughs> as, uh, no, as Taylor Heineke dressing up as Kirk Cousins. Now, look, I'm all for anybody doing anything. I got no problem with any of it. You do whatever the hell you want to do. But the truth of the matter is nobody should be complaining about anybody in the NFL having fun because you don't get to have fun. You don't get to have fun in the NFL. You don't get to have interesting things in the NFL. You get to do what the NFL says. You get to do exactly what they say. And what they say is no fun. Well, you get on your airplane, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. You can do anything you want to do. Now, Chris Boyd, the cornerback for the Vikings, said, uh-uh, stop trying to effing be us, this guy says. Stop trying to effing be us. Oh, okay. We're going to stop trying to effing be us. He's mad. He's mad. He's not happy. We're going to whoop both. They, they cross our path again. Stop trying to F and B us, lames. He can't hold Kirk's jockstrap. Question to Mr. Boyd. Why would any adult male want to hold an adult male's jockstrap? They always say that. He couldn't hold his jockstrap. But I always say, wait a second. Why would anybody want to hold anybody else's jockstrap? 
Y'all s don't even look like y'all having fun enjoying it. Find your own trend. All right. Of course, there's major love. I got my teammates back. I'm a man. All the crap that pro athletes say. But that's right. Stop trying to F and B us. Lames. He couldn't hold Kirk Jockstrap. It's Kirk's. Find your own trend. Y'all S don't even look like y'all having fun doing it. All right. And then Chris Boyd said, I go hard behind my team, man. There's no other way around it. These guys are like my brothers, a huge family from all corners. And it's nothing. All right. But major love is always love. Always love. Minnesota Vikings is are my family, and I don't play when it comes to us. Point blank, period. There you go. There you go. A lot of things to get mad about, but he's wearing chains like we're wearing. It doesn't look like you're having fun. Stop trying to be us. That's Cousins. Look at the chains, man. I like Cousins. I like Cousins a lot. You guys don't like Cousins. I didn't like Cousins. I thought when he went to Minnesota, nah. But all of a sudden, Minnesota got Ryan Grigson, and next thing you know, Minnesota's pretty daggone good. That's right. That's right. So, all right, I'm all in. I'm, I am so all in. People are starting to like me. Dave, Ron Davis, 51. I'm starting to beginning to like Dan Dockage. Really? Well, I can't help it that you were an idiot before. You see all this? This is likable. This is imminently likable. Hey, when we come back, the great Tom Izzo put on a coaching clinic. Now, look, he's going to go aw shucks. But we're not going to let Izzy go aw shucks. I've been watching Coach Izzo's teams for 762 years. I've coached against him as an assistant. I coached against him as a head coach. I got to tell you, I've never seen Coach Izzo take the ball out of bounds, throw it to another guy out of bounds, get it back, full length of the court, get a dunk. I've never seen that action. I want to talk to Coach Izzo about what he did at the end of the game, and I want to talk to Coach Izzo about this team. Now, I know Gonzaga lost yesterday and got crushed at Texas. That happens. Look, you go into a place like Texas, which, by the way, under Chris Beard is a basketball school. Make no mistake about it. I'm texting him that today. But long story short, Izzo's got himself a squad. Indiana's got themselves a squad. Michigan beat Pittsburgh by 623 yesterday. They got themselves a squad. The Big Ten looks like they got them some squads. Now, the Big Ten hasn't won a national championship since 2000. Coach Izzo, Mateen Cleaves, the Flintstones, all those guys. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know if this team or this group or this group of teams in the Big Ten is good enough to win a national championship. you got to get a lot of luck. Coach Izzo's been to the Final Four a number of times. But I know this. Watching Coach Izzo's teams play against the Gonzaga and then watching them play Kentucky, they are damn good. Sparty fans, Coach Izzo and me next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, Coach Izzo and I were just talking off air. We have a unique relationship. And he's verbally <laughs> spanked me before. And I'm ready for another one, Coach. I've watched your teams for 725 years. I've never seen you do this. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Late game, you need a bucket. I've never seen you do that old out-of-bounds play, full court, where you throw it out-of-bounds to out-of-bounds and then throw it. You know what I mean? I've never seen you go out-of-bounds to out-of-bounds. I can't bounds. thank you on that. I can't yell at you. I, you know what I can tell you? That um, I, my assistants have done a good job. We've, we've tried to get back to Dan. I mean, I remember speaking at your clinic at Bowling Green, for God's sakes, when, when – I realized that we weren't very good my first couple of years. And I, um, I, what I did is I, I did a thing called special teams and I, it was a football takeoff and it was the baseline on bounds, sideline on bounds, free throw situation, the jump ball then you jump ball at the beginning of each half and uh, free throw cutouts, you know, they were, and, and plays after timeouts. And my theory was whenever the ball is dead, we got to be at our best because the other team's going to relax. So you take the ball out of bounds, sometimes teams relax. Jump ball, sometimes teams are, ah, you know, like free throws, it happens all the time. I mean, when I had Richardson and Peterson, the missed free throw was a great offense for us because we missed a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't very good, but we'd go get the rebound, you know? And and so this summer, we said, we got to get back to who we are. And special teams, we hadn't worked on our out-of-bounds plays. We just did it to get a man. And we put more time into all those kind of things now. And uh, I do think it's helped us some, <laughs> you know, in that game. It helped us enormously, both on the baseline of bonds and the full court. I had never thrown it back in like that. So, so see, I'm still inventing myself. Everybody thinks I'm over yeah. the hill and gone. I'm still trying to invent myself. So something new every day, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know when it was. It was a couple of years ago. Somebody started that, uh, like, track slash football. Five guys out of bounds, in, you know, in a track stance uh, yeah. or three-point stance, yeah, right? Yeah. And then everybody started Illinois doing that. that. Illinois did that. Yeah. I yeah, was going right. to say Illinois it was Illinois. They, it, yeah. And uh, I haven't run five guys out of bounds yet because I'm afraid my guys will stay out of bounds and then they, well, I won't be able to get it in. But I, I did do the one guy and it, it – Hey, it happened to work in that game, and I don't know if we would have missed the three, uh, you know, but it just, the sea opened, and uh, Malik took it right to the hole, and it was uh, it was good. But, you know, it was a hell of a game. I think Kentucky is better than they played. They just didn't, uh, you know, get uh, Oscar back, and he's a load, by the way, and, and their point guard back, who I didn't, you know, he played okay, but uh, you still got to fit all those parts together, you know, and I got a problem that right now I'm not as deep as I normally am. He's probably got a problem that right now he's maybe too deep, you know, and you got to, you got to play people. And especially when they're transfers, because people don't transfer to a school, not to play, you know, they transfer to a school to play. And so, uh, when you have that, uh, that, that opens up another set of problems, but 
I told John before the game, Danny, that uh, he should get arrested because you're not you're not allowed to be at Kentucky and have four or five seniors. <laughs> That's illegal. So uh, <laughs> it's it's probably a different team. It's going to take him some time too to. That's a really talented team. My my spies, and I have many, <clears throat> are telling me that you <laughs> and Doug Wojcik are doing an unbelievable job in practice, and it's showing in the games with the Sissoko kid. Yeah, well, I don't know if I can take any credit for that. You know, we do break up, and, and Doug has done a good job with him. I, I think it started this summer, our strength and conditioning people. He did not have very good hands. And he had a real problem with his balance. You know, he broke his hand his, and had surgery on it his senior year of high school. And so his first year here was just a, a waste almost because he had, had another surgery when he got here. And his hands were a problem. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's an unbelievable kid. You know, I, I, I always tell him he's from Mali. And, I, and, and when one thing goes a little bit too good i say now don't become americanized you know don't get lazy or entitled <laughs> just stay the way you are you know i love you the way you are and he's an unbelievable kid so he's worked and worked and worked and uh and doug has spent a lot of time with him and i think the combination of he got stronger he got you know worked on his hands worked on his balance and then uh every day he's been working and, and the guys as you can see at the end of that game they just love him and uh, appreciate him because he's been through the process. You know, he's he's a third year guy, but I I, I consider him a second year guy because his first year with the surgery and everything, uh, you know, was kind of a waste. But uh, he has improved, and uh, I give him and Doug and our strength coach and a lot of credit. You know, um, to your point, at the game, on the court, after the game, he was being interviewed, and all your players were right there around him, like genuinely yeah. happy for a guy that doesn't always yeah. happen in the modern college basketball world. Boy, that is a, that is a, that's why I love you. You're, you're, you're great at seeing the things that don't matter. I mean, most people at gay man's, nobody cares. <laughs> uh, coaches kind of watch and see how players react and who's sad and who's happy and who's this and who's that. And I was amazed because I interviewed with Holly first and I walked away and I looked back and everybody was there. And I said, I got a great picture. In fact, I'm going to get it blown up. And one of my parents of one of my starters said to me, you know, I was proudest that, uh, that a player um, was happier for Marty and Joey than he was for himself. And he had a pretty good game himself. And I said, that's kind of the kind of team we got right now. And I think it is legitimate. You know, you don't fake love, you know, you fake a lot of things, but that's not one. And I think there is a, a absolute appreciation for, what this kid has gone through, where he lived in his life, and uh, and the work he's put in. So, yeah, that's one of the positives. We still got the problem that we're not as talented as some of my teams, and uh, so we have to play at a very high level. And you know, now we get into our third game, and uh, you would like and appreciate Villanova because they're, uh, I mean, they're a bunch of street fighters. I mean, he's got one guy. One of his best players is a six-year guy. He's 24 years old. They've got a couple of fifth-year guys. Jay, Jay Red always said, my, my job is to get them old, you know, and he's had older teams as I've had. And uh, this is a tough physical team. And, you know, it's the third game in a row, and we, we got to get up for it. But it is at home, and it should be a great scene here Friday night. 
You know, um, Coach, you, you fought, you're like Bayheim. You know what's going on in college basketball. Like, you know, um, did it surprise you that Gonzaga went down to Texas and got handled like they did? You know, I'll be honest with you, it did. I mean, because I really like Mark's team. I talked to him the day before. And, um, you know, I, I don't know as much about Texas. I mean, I know some of the kids. I know they moved into a new place, and it was like opening night, I think, or and the place was bonkers. But uh, So that's tough. But, uh, you know, Gonzaga's pretty solid, and I, I watched that game from the start to finish. And, you know, it was close early, and then it kind of got out of hand. And... Uh, so a little surprise, but I think right now Mark's trying to find his point guard. You know, uh, they've really got a good team, but uh, they lost a great point guard, the, the kid that was at Florida, and he's uh, in the pros now and, and playing. So he lost a really good one, and, you know, it's going to take a little while. These early big games I still think are great. I mean, Hey, we lost and it was great. We won and it's been great because I learned something both ways, good and bad. And you don't get fooled, you know. <laughs> if you have a deficiency and you're playing good people, um, you're getting exposed. And sometimes you can overcome it like we did, but we didn't guard our guard, guard Oscar with a fishnet, you know. He was uh, he 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 scored and rebounded. And I mean, we we knew we had to cut him out at the free throw line. We worked on it, and he still got two of them miss free throws so uh you know you can imagine that yesterday and today <laughs> free throw cutouts is still on the top of my list <laughs> it'll be a football game down there tonight hey um you're the perfect guy to ask this because you followed a legend in judd heathco national championship winning coach and then you've enhanced the program to the point now where it's as good a program as there is in the country uh and nobody better um, Kyle Neptune following Jay Wright, all the success that Jay had at Villanova, you play, you know, Villanova, as you mentioned tomorrow, how, how difficult is this for a guy like Neptune? Well, I think it is difficult. First of all, you got to look like George Clooney and he doesn't look like George Clooney. Yeah. In other words, that's what Jay Wright <laughs> So Jay Wright had something you and I don't have. He had the looks and the skill, you know, and, uh, it's, yeah. uh, but he, 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 he is, uh, you know, he did work for him for eight or nine years and went on his own a little bit. But thank God he's got some veterans back there. That'll help the transition. But at the same time, uh, Jay is a unique guy. They run a unique system. Uh, never, ever turned the ball over. I think they're 342nd in pace of play. Um, but they, and they got guards that back in that are all 6'4 and 6'5. And so it's just a, you know, by the time we get done with Villanova, we're going to have played three totally different teams. You know, one street tough in Villanova, one athletic and long in Kentucky, and one who was very skilled and and ran their stuff well in Gonzaga. So, I mean, it's kind of what I wanted. I wish they weren't all in a row, but at the same time, I'm getting a chance to see my team against different teams, which I think will help me down the road. And I think he's got his work cut out for him because you're not only following a, a, a great coach, but a great guy, you know, I mean, Jay is such, was so good in that. And he was Villanova, you know, I mean, he had a chance to go to the pros. He had a chance to go to other schools. I mean, Villanova was his school and, 
And so he was, uh, you know, appreciated and loved by the people there and good speaker. I mean, he just had all the things you need to have. And, um, but Neptuno, you know, he'll, he'll get in that. He was there with them. Um, probably like myself, you know, it doesn't mean everything happens. And that's, what's so big about this game tomorrow. This would be a big game for them too. You know, they lost a tough one to Temple, but Danny and watching that game, uh, Temple played really well and uh big rivalry, you know, same city. And, um, so this is a top 20 team and deservingly. So they got a lot of guys back a team that went to a final four and they've got one guy that's been out injured. I don't know if he'll play or not. So, uh, you know, we got our work cut out for us because this is a very experienced team that has won championships in their league and then been to a Final Four. You know, when you really think about it, my school, Indiana, obviously Tom had it going some and Calvin and all the stuff, and now I think Mike's got it going. <clears throat> UCLA has never been able to, to capture the magic. It looks like North Carolina maybe has. It's just fascinating what you've been able to do there. It really is. And people maybe don't know. You started out, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first couple of years you were 8-8 eight and eight in the Big Ten, right? Like for two years maybe? Yeah, you know, I did. After going into that third year, man, we got beat by Detroit and Central Michigan. I thought I thought I was going to ask you for a job in radio. I, I thought I was out of it, man. But, uh, you know, things turned around that year, and we won 18 of our next 22, and and things started rolling. It, it, it takes everybody time, especially, uh, you know, like Coach Neptune, he hasn't – he's been a head coach, though, but only for a year or two. Um and, and it takes time, you know, and uh, it is it is hard to look at programs that have been really good and, and figure, how do I continue that but put my own stamp on it? And that is difficult to do, you know, And but you got to do it. You can't be phony. You can't can't be Jay Wright or, you, you, you know, you can't be John Cheney or you can't be John Thompson or you can't be, uh, you know, Bobby Knight, you just, you got to be your own guy. And yet uh, the standard that those people set is so high, you got to maintain that too. And that's a, that's a balancing act that usually takes a couple of years to figure out. Hey, congrats. Did I see this right? Do you play Alabama after you play Villanova? Yeah. Yeah. Alabama. And then <laughs> either way, the winner or loser of UConn and Oregon. And then if we get by that, it's Carolina. And then we come home, though, at uh, Sunday night. We'll get home Monday morning. Uh, and then we leave Tuesday to go play Notre Dame. So who in the hell scheduled nice. that is stupid. But <laughs> it just – it wasn't all stupidity, and it wasn't all like I wanted to have the best schedule in the world. It, it just kind of turned out that way. The aircraft carrier game came late. The game against Villanova came a little later. Um the PK-80, you know, so many of those games are out of my control, too, in scheduling. PK-80 is out of your control. The ACC Big Ten Challenge out of your control. The GAVA games out of your control. The Tournament of Champions is in your control, but, but uh, you know, you play who they tell you you're playing. And uh, so that's one of the problems here in scheduling. I've got a lot of games that aren't in my control. But, but you know what? I, I said it. That night, and I talked to you about it. I'm not breaking Mike Krzyzewski's record. You know, there's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to live long enough to win that many games. So uh, I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to I'm going to play the best people and and uh, 
see what it does. One of these years, it'll sting me. It could this year. But at the same time, uh, the memories, the experience, the opportunities, uh, the setting the other night was phenomenal. The setting at the aircraft carrier was once in a lifetime, and I got to do it twice. I'm not passing up those those things, you know. If uh, you lose some games, if people are upset, so be it. But uh, this is still about – it's about winning games, but it's, it's about the memories and the experiences. That's what college – I mean, you remember – I know you still remember checking Michael, you know, if you didn't get to play in that game, you wouldn't have remembered it. So, um, that's right. Some great things that you get. Yeah, there really are. You know what coach people say, whatever they want, but that aircraft carrier game's the coolest thing going. Uh, it is just the coolest uh, thing it, going bar it, none. I'm glad you guys do that. I wish you would have been there. Yeah. I wish you would have been there. It was, it was so cool to be there and, and, and trying to remember seriously that, you know, we are trying to promote the people that are saving all of our lives and that we don't do a very good job yeah. with the military and, and the veterans. And But the game itself, too, I mean, it's a high-level game. A little worried about the win this year for the first time. But thank God the day of the game, it wasn't nearly as bad. The day before, Dan, that ball was – the last time we were there, it was none. And uh, this time it was a little bit, but um, <laughs> but it was just awesome and – and Mark's team is, is good. And I mean, it doesn't get any better than that on that stage and uh, that experience and the people you get to meet, the captains, the five-star generals. I mean, it was, man, it was awesome. Awesome. Even though we lost, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking this. I'm talking to the guy that lost the damn game and listened to him talking. Yeah. I know, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Hey, thanks, Coach. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank Max as All well, right, please. Yeah, I don't See want to you, do that, but I'll, I'll take mine, and I appreciate you. See you, Dad. Take care, man. <laughs> See you. See you. That is the great Tom Izzo right there. That's good stuff, man. I'm telling you, that game on that ship is the most impressive thing done in college basketball the entire year. And I'm not just talking about two great teams. I mean, Izzo's team is great, and Gonzaga is great. They lost last night, but what the hell? You're going to lose a game. But that whole environment, as Coach said, the captains, the people, the the military, the dress, I'm so excited personally my wife and I are going to go to, <clears throat> excuse me, the Army-Navy game this year. A friend of mine has is one of the assistant athletic directors at Navy, and I knew him a long time ago when he was a student in the sports information office at Indiana University, and he's offered my wife and I his tickets, and I would never pass that up. I want to be there. I don't care about the game. I want to watch the thing, the thing, the walking in, everything about it, right? I mean, that's what's cool about it. It just simply is, and I can't wait. And Izzo is so right. Last night, look, Texas, a basketball school, man, they went and beat the living you-know-what out of Gonzaga. Chris Beard's team got it done tonight. We've got Green Bay and the Titans. I think Green Bay's coming. I think Christian Watson is coming, and I think the Titans are banged up. But betting against the Titans is just stupid. But look at this. This is stupid. Hey, fellas, what do you got back there? Who's our woke dope of the day? A free-range family. My kids can do whatever they want. Let me tell you where those kids are headed for. Jail. I'm just telling you. They can do whatever they want. 
There is your woke dope of the day. If you allow your kids to do anything they want, they are going to do things that are going to get them in jail at an extraordinarily young age. They are going to do things that harm other people. They are going to be banes on the existence of society. That's what they're going to be. The Bible even teaches, you know what? Free will is great, but doesn't mean you can do anything you want. People are really getting stupid, and I've told you, the theme of today is the world is backwards. I mean, the world is bass-ackwards. It just simply is. And that's the perfect right there for how ridiculous we are in the modern world. My kids can do anything. I got people still arguing, arguing about a 40-hour work week. A 40-hour work week. Oh, my God. Salute. Who's my winner of the day? You want my winner of the day? We can go loser of the day every day. But my winner of the day, ladies and gentlemen, is a man named Elon Musk. Elon Musk sent this email to all the little entitled, whiny, don't-want-to-work millennials. Backstory. They're asked to work hard. They're asked to show up in office. Oh, my God. Here's the email. Elon Musk to his employees going forward to build a breakthrough Twitter 2.0 and succeed in an increasingly competitive world. We will need to be extremely hardcore. Now, extremely hardcore has panties in a bunch. What does that mean? I don't know, but people say that saying, so I'm going to say that saying. It has people all upset. What do you mean, hardcore? Does that mean I'm not going to get my espresso latte at exactly 10 o'clock with foam, coconut milk, not regular milk? My God, what are you thinking? Shut up! This will mean working long hours at high intensity. Oh, my God, can you imagine? Can you imagine being selfless and working for a paycheck Long hours, high intensity. I have people say, well, that means 80-hour work week, 12 hours a day. I I don't read that here. I don't. Didn't you go to college? Didn't you study to get a job that will gratify you, that will allow you to do what you learn? Here it is right here. Here's what teaches you that. I'm assuming all these clowns that worked at Twitter got their little engineering degrees. So here it is. Twitter will also be much more engineering driven. Design and product management will still be very important and report to me, but those writing great code, great code, great is important here. It sets an expectation. We don't have expectations. Yeah, I don't want to hear about me being old. Get off my lawn, man. No, no, no. This is wisdom. You want to feel good? Get a job. You want to feel really good? Get a high-paying job that uses your skills in an intense, high-intensity way. You feel great about yourself. But those writing great code will constitute the majority of our team and have the greatest sway. Again, the word great. Why? Because he's setting an expectation, greatest sway, most important. That's pretty good. That sets an expectation of excellence and importance. Nothing wrong with that. At its heart, Twitter is a software and servers company. So I think this makes sense. He's telling you the why. If you are sure that you want to be part of the new Twitter, please click yes on the link below. And he gives you forms. 
Anyone who has not done so, what time is it? Let's just say it's 11 o'clock. In six hours, 5 p.m. Eastern, today will receive three months severance. Fair. Look, this job isn't for everyone. People say that all the time, don't they? People say that all the time. Hey, look, this job isn't for everyone. This job isn't for everyone. Okay, this job isn't for everyone. I'm not kicking you to the curb. You're going to get three months severance. Whatever decision you make, thank you for your efforts to make Twitter successful. Well, you're just lining his pockets. No, you're lining yours as well. There's value in ownership. There's greatness in ownership. This Elon Musk, you are my winner of the day. You, sir, because of one email, have shown me that there is a light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. You have shown me that we can still believe that there are people in leadership that we can rally behind. However, it's going to be interesting to see how many of these entitled, whiny, bleeding millennials, and the reason I call them bleeders is because they bleed society. They don't want to participate. They want to bleed us. As opposed to boomers, we all want to pop up society. There you go. Uh, all of you bleeders that go about the business of sucking from the teat of humanity. Elon Musk, how many of you are going to sign up? I would argue that many of you will. I would argue that a lot will. I argue people say Twitter isn't real. I would argue that Twitter isn't real. That the clowns that you see on Twitter whining about Elon Musk are a very, very small percentage. I think most people, particularly people that go to college, particularly people that could be in line for a job with this company, are driven achievers. So that's who we are appealing to here. That's who we're appealing to. We are not appealing to Slappy Johnny, too big for you, that says, well, you know, this is like a Nike sweatshop. No, it's not. It's like a business. It's like a business. It's like a business that's trying to be successful. It's like a business that is taking over a business that was run like crap, made money, but run like crap, run with bias, and straightening it out. You see it all the time in sports. You do. You see it all the time. Why has Chris Beard all of a sudden been able to make Texas basketball beat Gonzaga by 30? He saw an operation that was doing well under Shaka Smart, straightened some things out, got commitment, and away you go. Pretty simple. Sports imitating life, ladies and gentlemen. So Elon Musk, I hope, I hope that you continue on the path that you're on. I hope that the little millennials, the little whiny, bleeding millennials, Keep sharing your emails in an attempt to discredit you because all it does is expose what we already know. Uber, uber, uber successful people want achievers working for them to be able to be more successful. That's what it is. So many times, and you see it with ESPN, they don't care who works for them. They just want to make sure they fill in the boxes. You can't say racism to us because of this, because of that, because of this, because of that. There's nothing about that in here. Nothing about diversity. 
Nothing about wokeness. Nothing about labor camps. Nothing about 80-hour work weeks. It's just simply who wants to work here. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Serbian, Polish, doesn't matter. Who wants to work here and do it at the level with which we are demanding? Simple. Lovely. Thank you. Winner of the day, Elon Musk. Uh, thank you also, Dylan. Thank you also, Ryan. Thank you also, Davey. Thank you also, Kahaley. Thank you also, Aaron, Tom Izzo, Max, Ian Miller. Outkick is growing, baby, because we think like Elon Musk. Get a bunch of achievers, work your brains off, and just bring it every damn day. Join me, 107.5 The Fan. See you tomorrow right here at OutKick.